Howdy, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to the Homestretch Podcast, 101 Plus Tips for Navigating Assisted Living in Nursing Homes. My name is Chad Schmidt, and here you're going to find the questions to ask from the researchers, professionals, and institutions to help you make a more informed decision. And today, I'm here on the phone with Betsy Wilking, who's a sales manager in the senior living industry. And today, she's going to talk about a couple of things. Uh, most importantly is how to go about having a conversation with your loved one about transitioning them into the care of a professional so that you as a caretaker, if you're doing it currently, you have a better quality of life and not having to deal with all those frustrations and your loved one will also have a better quality of life. So say hi to everybody, Betsy. Hey, everybody. So excited to be here. Thanks, so Chad. T- yeah, you're welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I've worked in the senior living for about six years now in one position or another, um, whether it was direct hands-on care, uh, activities and social engagement programming, um, admissions, business development. But all in all, it's it's been about helping families and their loved ones feel more comfortable with this transition and that there's this isn't an end of a road. It's just an exciting new chapter in life. I was just having a conversation the other day. This woman that I was talking to, she's about 25 years old, and she's a school teacher, and she's single. She has to be a caretaker for her dad, and her dad oh, wow. gets a disability check, about $1,000 a month, and she, on a school teacher salary, can't afford to have a professional that takes care of her dad. So here she is in the summer month, not able to do all these fun things that she wants to do. She has to be the primary care and responsible person for her dad. And she's so overwhelmed. And I said, I'm going to be doing this podcast what question do you want answered? And she's like, you know what? My mind is just so overwhelmed. I can't even think of a question to ask that I would want answered. I don't even know what to do. She's having trouble sleeping, and she's just super stressed out. And so I'm really excited for you to not only share how to have a conversation, but maybe how I can help my friend Sarah throughout this recording. So I know that Sarah's not the only one. I'm sure there's plenty of our other listeners that are tuning in right now that they don't have the resources or they are the caregiver. So thank you so much for being willing to. I appreciate um, the opportunity, Chad. Just, you know, if I can help even one person, you know, I'd I'd say it's a a success. It's just building awareness. So I'm really excited that you're doing this. Well, the, the image that comes through my mind is the movie Grand Torino, where there's a scene where Clint Eastwood in the movie is sitting down at the kitchen table and his son comes in to try to present, you know, this gift. They got him like a bigger phone that has these numbers that are larger. And Mm -hmm. Clint Eastwood's character is getting super frustrated because he knows what's going to happen. And then the son says, Dad, you know, we found this place that you should really look into getting. And next thing you know, Clint Eastwood throws his kid out of the house. So <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, 
how how is it that somebody that's listening to this right now that maybe has this apprehension or maybe has that same scene that I'm thinking of that dad's going to get upset of us even mentioning this type of conversation where we're transitioning him from the house that they've lived in for the last 25 years and they have all these memories, they have all this stuff and now they got to leave it. Like how is it that they're supposed to have this conversation? I can just imagine there's so much anxiety and like uneasiness, butterflies that are in the stomach of how do I break this news? Absolutely. It's, it's uncomfortable for the kids. The, and then especially if your your parents are stubborn and they always have been, um, it's it's definitely intimidating to go into that conversation. But you have to just take the right approach. Don't try and solve all these issues that maybe you're realizing. Pick one at a time. And again, if it's, it's one thing if they're already having issues going on. It's best to start before those health issues come about because then you don't have that pressure and panic in the back of your mind, which they'll pick up on. So starting before there's health problems is the number one key thing, but it's taking it one small issue at a time instead of trying to solve everything. It's a different level of trust with your parents to say, hey, I'm here not to not to diminish your life or your quality of life, but I want to help sustain it so you can be around longer. You're their partner because you have a mutual interest and common goal. Just like you said, your friend Sarah, she, you know, she's like, I don't, I can't even think of a question. You know, her mind's all over the place. That's going to happen when it's last minute and it's kind of that panic and pressure. And so writing out some of your concerns first to help, organize your thoughts and feelings is going to be really important before approaching them. Because if you're discombobulated and your emotions are all over the place, because they're going to be, they're your parents, you know, you're worried about them, but it's going to be much easier to deal with their reactions if you're prepared within yourself. Well, and what you're kind of talking about is a little bit of a a sales presentation that you as a child have to give to your your parent in this scenario is trying to have some structured thoughts and really in in a previous recording that I did with the Texas Department of Public Safety, the sergeant that we talked to, he presented like some really good questions to ask before you come to this agreement that it's not safe for you to drive anymore and we have to take away your driver's license. Yeah. And so what kind of questions would you suggest just to kind of get this conversation going with this next chapter? As life continues, what do you always want to have around you? Is it is it the house that you always want around you? Is it your family? Is it your spouse? Is it a sense of security? The legal part, do you have an up-to-date will? Something as simple as that can be a good way to to start things because it's not looking so much of their health, but just legally, you know, as adults, we we have to take certain steps as we get to different ages. And so do they have at least an up-to-date will, a durable power of attorney for both legal and healthcare decisions? Or do you have an an attorney that they can, an elder law attorney who specializes that can help the family with that transition for, for the house? 
I never want to leave my house. Okay, so estate planning. Have you talked to a financial advisor about the best way to pass a property on to family members? Medical expenses, figuring out, hey, do you have, you know, did you sign up for Medicare when you turned 65? Do you have long-term care insurance? You know, for Sarah to ask if, if her dad is just having um, $1,000 from Social Security, what do his assets look like? Because maybe he would benefit from Medicaid. But then also, if they're not quite ready to make that transition, helping them set up direct deposit and automatic bill pay can definitely help in, as you guys are having these conversations. Um, and then all their physicians, you know, you have your heart specialist. Um, you have your regular physician, and so wanting to make sure that there's a captain of the ship for your parents. Like, who who do you know who their doctors are and their information? But also make sure your parents, hey, do you have a list of all your medications? Um, and making sure that that's up to date whenever they go to their appointments and bringing that. And housing, it's going to be hard to move out of your house. Some people don't want to do that, and that is the main roadblock. And so you look at, is it a way for us to make it more handicap accessible? Is it as simple as just taking out the bathtub and putting in a walk-in shower? Um, or just um, handrails needed next to the commode to help with the, the transferring part? Because you do, you want them, if, you, if they can stay at home safely and with enough security and assistance, then, then do that versus going into a community. I start a question with, hey, mom, I'm noticing you're not, you're not going out to join all your girlfriends and all that you guys do. You know, what's going on? She may have had a fall that she didn't tell you about. Um, and she's nervous and doesn't want to do it again. Or she had a bathroom accident. Um, and so it's, there's a lot of their resistance is from a dignity and pride, especially when, it, when you're talking about a man. Sorry, Chad, but it's <laughs> um, but it's it's hard when you get older and to accept that. And so, if you can listen to how they're feeling and what their their days are like, you're going to be able to help them move into that next that next transition. But you're going to have to have more than one conversation with them, and you're going to have to break it down into into little topics, um, so that it's Again, you're building that trust first, and then you can get into, hey, you've brought up some of these things. These are my concerns as well. The the thing that I find as I talk more and more openly with people is they just avoid this conversation altogether. Yeah. They, they don't plan for it. They don't talk about it because either it makes them uncomfortable as an individual, and I'm talking mm -hmm. about the son or daughter, yeah. Or they've tried to have this conversation with their mom or their dad, and the mom or dad just blows them off and is like, I don't want to talk about it. But it's something that we're, it's a hundred percent, as far as I know, there isn't a person on the face of the earth that hasn't Eight. made it to eternity. <laughs> so yeah. it is a conversation. It's just, how is it that somebody's supposed to bring this up if, They've already been shot down multiple times by their mom or dad. You can have like a third party. You know, if there's a, look, my doctor says I only have to take 
two eye drops a day. That's all I'm going to do. No more, no less. You know, if, it's, if there's someone like that in the family that just loves their physician and trusts them, then bring them in. See if you can have a family appointment. Or if there's even a, a trusted family friend that, you know, the mom and dad just have a great relationship with that maybe they're they're healthier than, than they are or even maybe they've already transitioned into a senior living community. Maybe they're already at an independent living or an assisted living. Um, it's okay to seek out professional help, um, especially because every family dynamic is different. Let me tell you, I mean, it's, I, I've seen so many RA just where two sisters are on, on different pages. One's the main caretaker, one was the every other weekend, but still on complete opposite ends of, of how to approach and take care of mom. Definitely, if you're having having issues, conveying it to them, asking for a third-party help is, is definitely beneficial. It's important for the listeners to know that as much as it may feel like you're alone in this journey, you're not. And there's plenty of people around you, if you think about it, that are there to support you. And if they don't have the capability to support you directly, they probably know somebody that can. It's just being willing to actually ask for the help. And I'm experiencing this in my own life with my mother. You know, she's the one that likes to grab the bull by the horns and likes to take control in so many situations. And she's, it's proven to be extremely successful in her career. And so it becomes difficult for someone like her or somebody that is, has similar experience with being the power, the decision maker, the people, the one that everybody looks up to, that you feel obligated, like if you don't have a solution, you're inferior and don't tell anybody about it, just keep it to yourself, is it's okay to not have every single answer figured out, that it's okay to just show people that you don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 human, and I don't know the answer, uh, and it's okay to ask for that help. It really is, and that's I mean I also tell the families I work with, and there's one in particular. It's actually for these two sisters, but how do we have this conversation with mom? How do we start? And um, but I, I let them know, you know, this isn't going to be the first conversation. This isn't going to be the only one. Um, you'll have many more to come. It also changes, you know, if someone has a diagnosis of dementia, are they going to remember the the first conversation when when you go around to try it again on a second time, you know? But I'm available for families to be that third party where I'm not representing who I'm working for. I'm just here to to be a resource and share what I know. And and that can be that you know, that can be at your local senior community center. It doesn't have to be a doctor or a trusted friend, you know, it could be your, you know, someone at the church. Um, and so that there, there's people around, there's resources around. We, we just have to work. Um, those of us that work in senior living have to do a better job of making it a more comfortable topic for, for people to have. Well, and I think for me, I've been in sales for such a long time, and I've learned, you know, my own way that's proven to be successful by getting engagement and participation and getting people to nod their head and follow this process of of being agreeable 
with whatever it is that I'm presenting. And so it's always helpful to start with something light that's not intense, that's really jokingly and mm-hmm. really innocent to be able to then transition at some point later in the conversation to something that's a lot more serious. Absolutely. Um, definitely approach it casually. Don't make it such a dun-dun-dun, we're having this intense conversation. You know, everyone needs to be on guard. No, make it a uh, – the setting of which you have the conversation makes a big difference. It makes me think of, you know, a husband and a wife or a couple where the wife or the – usually it's it's the woman that says – we need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> the guy, the yeah. guy automatically is thinking, "You got to be kidding me!" Yeah, this what is, happened? What did is, I do? Let me replay. This is going to be a two-hour conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me go to the bar. Let me get some alcohol. Real so quick, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's it's kind of that same in a different way, but the same yeah. kind of emotions that are being aroused. That it's like. You already go up with your, you know, ready to defend. You know, your parents are already going to go in like, hey, sweetie, you, you make sure you talk about this. I'll talk about this. You know, they're already, they're preparing for it, you know. Um, but keep it casual. Um, if it's earlier in this, like if you're having a conversation before they're having health issues, it's fine. You know, ha- go to a favorite restaurant. It doesn't have to be in the house. But I'd say if it's further along, they're already having those health issues, having it in home in a safe place for them is better. Just because as you're talking about those health-related issues, it can be more intense. And so having that private setting. But even something as small as your seating arrangement, I say, makes a difference. You know, if well, it's, And I'm glad that you bring that up because it's also your body language and, and yes. not being what I call belly-to-belly where you're facing directly with the person across from them, your your body positioning can also kind of be a little bit slightly less confrontational and more at an angle or more casual that also can probably be a lot more helpful. Absolutely. Think about it, you know, with mom and dad having a conversation with their kid who came in late. They're usually, you know, the parents are side by side and the kid is across on the couch on the other side of the coffee table, the parents against the kid. But you don't want to set up that kind of seating arrangement or dynamic when you're having this conversation. It's relaxed and, like you said, start off with easy questions. What did you do today? When was the last time you went grocery shopping? What are you eating? Try not to, to ask question after question. Listen. You have to listen to what they're saying because they may be telling you more by what they're not saying than what they are. Take into account their own personal experiences with life. Did they ever talk to you about their grandparents or their parents and what their end of life looked like? Um, was it that awful nursing home 40 years ago where everyone's lined up in a wheelchair and a hospital gown not doing anything? What's their perception? Why are they so adamant about, no, I'm not going to move? But then also the concern, you know, that, that, uh, that fear of what is your intention? Is your intention to get me to move out of my house so then you can have it? Because that happens, unfortunately. It does. Where one family member, you know, your mom and dad, they've, you know, they've saved, they've worked hard, um, and they're protective of that. And, but 
maybe your your mom's sister, her family and those kids, they didn't take care of her right when she started to age. And so she saw her sister not being taken care of. And so she's worried that her kids may do the same and may move her in quicker than she needs to for financial gain for them. It doesn't have to sound um, legitimate for them to have legitimate fears and emotions. Well, it's kind of like you're mentioning a little bit, taking an inventory of and doing your due diligence or research on what is the preconceived notions or trauma that maybe this person, your mom or dad already has, or maybe even you have. Yeah, um, it's, it's a lot of factors to take into account. I mean, your your physical health, it's emotional health, and it's, it's financial. And it's it's those three factors are really hard to navigate, and you're dealing with them all at once, your own and then also your parents. So try and before, no matter what stage you're in, no matter if they're already, you know, if they're totally healthy and you're at the very beginning or they're, already having health issues, which is when most people wait to have that discussion. Sit down even just for 30 minutes and say, what's important for you as their kid to give to your parents? And let them know that. Be upfront. I've My two parents, my mom, you know, she's seen where I work. She's like, I could live here. And my dad's like, I don't know. You know, he, he wants to, you know, he's turned 70 at the beginning of next year, and the man's still cutting down trees. Um, that he's picked up that that hobby in retirement at 70 and I'm like what do you do you know and he there are some people that just want to live their life to the fullest and push to the very end and they're not going to stop pushing until until they meet their maker and for some of those people you just have to hold their hand and you have to have that conversation with yourself that this is how they want things to go and sometimes that's a hard it's a hard thing to have with yourself that mom and da- mom or dad just they're not going to move. We need to get in-home caretakers if we can financially afford it. If dementia is involved, you can get the state involved because they they progress so far along that they can't make the best decisions for themselves. Um, and and you can become their their guardian. And then that's when you'd look into using legal methods to to try and get them into a community. But that's what I, we're talking. That's what we're talking about using brute force <laughs> with the law to get them to make the decision that we want them to make. Yeah, so. and and that's and that's I in six years there's, there's been four people that that I've worked with families where they've had to do that. I mean, it, in all all situations, the person has dementia, and it's they're further along, and they're not making safe decisions. If if their neighbors are coming together and telling family, hey. You guys need to come down and check on your mom or dad. You, you need to go check on mom and dad ASAP because um, it's it's hard to tell on a quick trip what's going on because masking and putting on a front of how well they're doing, parents seem to be brilliant at. It's, it's like they're teenagers who, who are hiding what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking with a... A woman, she's was debating should her mom go into assisted living or memory care. Um, and you know, when we were talking, you know, our, our nurse did the assessment. She was right on the cusp between assisted living and memory care. 
And she's like, well, let's, to start, let's try assisted living. I'm like, okay. She calls me a week later. Hey, Betsy, I just spent 72 hours straight with my mom. We went, we took her on our family vacation. I think she really needs memory care. And it's because you got to see that entire, that 24-7 time period of what really goes on in her life and how easy is she able to navigate it. And those activities of daily living, is she able to do safely and appropriately? Um, and it's hard to see that just on a quick four-hour trip. Right. I'm glad that you bring that up. It also makes me think about even if there's a decision that you make, that might not be the best decision. Maybe it progresses into something like what you said a little bit earlier. If they can financially afford it, then you have the care of a, a professional that comes and visits on a periodic basis. And then mm-hmm. as that increases to more frequently and you realize maybe this isn't enough, then you have to do another transition to maybe an actual home or a facility and keep in mind that facility there's been a lot of advances and it's not that abandoned school that has hospital lime green tile floors and cages on the windows that your loved one is going to be in you know it's it's a lot more accommodating to the lifestyle that you may have uh, this preconceived notion of uh, that is false. And and Chad, to go back to what you're saying, you know, if you're really having trouble, you've tried multiple times having that conversation with your mom and dad about, hey, move, can you move into a place? Start, hey, you're not going to move into a place, then at least let me hire someone to come in a couple times a week, help you and mom with, with the maintenance of the house, the housekeeping, the laundry, making sure the fridge is stocked, you guys are at least having some nutritional meals. There's small compromises you can make with them along the way. But still, you know, having someone in come into your house can be intruding. One thing I also want to point out here is that there are some situations where there's financial stresses that everybody experiences that there could be, and, and I want to encourage the listeners to stay tuned on other episodes or check back our our library that you know there I've had stories and people that told me that the caretaker that they had was stealing medications from the person that they were taking care of and selling them or using them themselves and I've also had conversations where there was a, a will that was written that wasn't transferred to uh, a family member or a care person and the will was somehow rewritten and assets were left for the caregiver that had no relationship. So uh, it, there are some other details that we're not talking about, at least in this episode, that there is something that's said for a place that whatever you're paying per month or whatever cost, that you get what you pay for. So yeah. there there are places that seem really good on the surface, but there's some systematic and logistic issues within the operation that maybe aren't fully accounted for, that there's missteps that take place. And But because there's also places that they'll collect the Social Security check that the person is getting and they'll feed them TV dinners and they'll have a lower quality of life because that's really what we're kind of trying to get at is 
not just for the loved one that's going to be going into the care of a facility or a home under professional care, not only having a better quality of life for them, but also if you're a caregiver, you should have a good quality of life as well because having to install cameras because you're not sure if your dad is going to burn the house down because you're not safe and fully comfortable with him being at the home by himself and you being able to only have a caregiver afforded a couple of times a week. You know, that that's a whole nother quality of life and stress that some people are experiencing right now or mm-hmm. that don't even realize that's out there that could come is, you know, there there's lots of options, but financially what is available to the individual. So, there, there, there's a, so many different components that we can't touch on all of them in this episode. We're just trying to provide like some a foundation and a platform for, you know, you to share, Betsy. You know, how is it that somebody in that situation that is, they got a lot of pressure already on them. They've they've postponed having this conversation and transitioning for so long, and they want to have a better quality of life for their father instead of having to monitor every single moment of the day because dad's stubborn and he doesn't want to go into this facility. How how would you recommend having that conversation? So at that point, your dad's probably either living with you or, or you're going to his house every single day. And he's probably he's probably aware of, you know, I'm making my kid do this. But, you know, then the thought comes in, well, you know, I'm a parent, I took care of them, they take care of me, you know, so they don't they don't think too much about how it's affecting you, but they, they are aware of the stress that comes um, to play. So, again, having starting the, the, the conversation in a casual setting, comfortable, familiar setting, sharing the benefits of someone you know who has moved into a senior living. One of his friends must have moved in and has a successful story, and so sharing that um, and not necessarily saying, like, if you already found a community for them, not necessarily going into specifically what that community can offer, but just what senior living can offer. Um, but the next big step is, and it's going to be hard because it's going to feel like a guilt trip, but it's not. It's, it's letting them know that they're not the only ones needing help. You're needing help. Um, but talk about how being their main caretaker has affected your life. Um, and that's going to be hard because you're going to have to essentially tell your parents that they're becoming too much for you to handle. And that's okay for that to happen. You're not a doctor, and he's not your only patient. Talking to your dad and saying, this is how you're affecting my life. Time. I don't have the time that I used to to be able to do things. Um, My social calendar, my work calendar, I'm being called out of work because I have to come to the house or something for you and reminding them I want to be your kid again I I know you don't like that your kid has to give you a shower probably that doesn't feel good to you I want you to be in a place where they can help you with that and then when I come we just hang out and have have fun together again because right now all my time with you is being spent taking care of you instead of enjoying your company and hearing your life stories and, and what you've done I myself, Betsy, I know through some therapies that I've done that I struggle with anger, depression, and isolation. 
And I came to that realization after attending like a church, what's called Celebrate Recovery, where there were other people that had things that they were dealing with, one of which was being an enabler and Mm -hmm. being somebody that I don't really know what the technical term is, but they were essentially a doormat and they they gave in to everybody else's wanting to be happy instead of themselves being happy. They were miserable because they were trying to make everybody around them happy. And that's not any way to enjoy the a, a life, at least in my own personal opinion, yeah. where it does come down to you having the courage to confront and share how it is that your, in this case, parent is affecting your life in a negative way. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with telling somebody how you feel yeah. because they are feelings. Yeah, and 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 I know it's hard because it's it's your parents. Hey, my parents they helped me through college. They 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 gave me all this input input on the most challenging situations I've had through life. But think of it now; it's time to return the favor to them. Yes, they helped you, but now you're helping them. Even if they're not coming to you, you're going to them. And like you said, Chad, I mean, it's you definitely have to have the courage to do it. And you're going to feel guilty just naturally. This day and age, a lot of kids are going home, moving into their parents' after college house, you know? I mean, after college, they're moving in with their parents. But I'm sure some of those parents, after a while, they're saying, hey, you know, we can't keep supporting you this way. You can't continue to live here. We need you to, to get your own place because having having your son live with you after college is starting to hit some of their savings and their retirement money, right? So your parents are going to let you know, hey, I need you to get out of my house, (laughs) be independent, so we can start planning for our next stage in our life. And that's okay for for you as a kid to then come to parents saying, hey, you need more help than you can give yourself, more help than I can give you. Are you willing for someone else to to help us out so that we can have a better relationship? And that's what it's all about is trying to have a better relationship, not just with yourself but with your loved ones. Absolutely. So I, I kind of want to wrap up here, Betsy, but is there something that maybe you want to either reinforce something that you said in closing, or is there something that you haven't yet shared that you think is really important for somebody that's listening to this to know? One, be careful not to make any promises you can't keep. Having someone live with you and move in with you is definitely a viable solution, but it, it's more of a Band-Aid. So, so have a backup plan. Remember that uh, their sense of security, independence, dignity, and freedom is, is going to be some, some main key points for them and, and why the roadblocks are hard to get past for them. And before any crisis, keep it simple. Start slow with one issue at a time. Ask open-ended questions and allow them to have their emotional reactions. And that's why it's so important to start sooner rather than later because you want to give time for them to process things just as you need time to process it. Um, And help them look forward to what comes next in their lives. Help them feel prepared and positive about it because we as a culture and a society need to do a better job of, of having a more positive outlook on all stages of life. And this can be a brand new adventure for them that is going to be scary, but 
it, it can be also very, very exciting and fulfilling. Well, that's, that's great. And I want to thank the company that you work for for allowing you to have this conversation with us on the Home Stretch podcast. And just for the listeners out there, for media reasons, there's not a way for us to disclose the company that, that Betsy works for, but we thank her for being a part of, of this and respect the wishes that of the company that you do work for. So there, if you were to go to the website, there isn't a contact number or a, a address that you can actually get in contact with Betsy. Well, and, John, and I'll go ahead and send you one that that my private one. So you know, on weekends, I'm more than happy to to give my effort towards helping people. So I love what I do. I'm not good at R and R. I just had six days of R and R, so I'm ready for for another <laughs> six months without a break. <laughs> With that said, I want to ask the listeners for a favor. There's probably somebody in your life right now that comes to mind that you maybe haven't had a conversation with in a while. And for whatever reason, you may or may not be on good terms, but you haven't talked with that person. And I want to, the favor I want to ask of you is to just send a text message, give a phone call, or write a letter, and just let that person know that you. We're thinking about them today, that you love them, because you never know when it's all going to end and tomorrow is not promised. And there's two pains that we all have to pay throughout our life, and one is the pain of discipline and the other is pain of regret. And I'm asking you to just have the discipline to just tell that person that you love them in some way today instead of having the pain of regret that you didn't get to tell them one last time that you love them and that you care about them. So until our next conversation, I wish you good health and eternal love. And thank you so much, Betsy, for all the little nuggets of wisdom that you shared today. Thanks, Chad, for having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for taking a moment to listen to this episode. And if you found what you heard beneficial, consider visiting our website at homestretch101.com where you can find news, updates, as well as upcoming guests and links to our YouTube channel. And also consider subscribing to this podcast on whatever platform that you're listening on.